What's going on, family? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're in the midst of an incredible day. Certainly, the world and landscape of pro wrestling have changed tremendously already in the month of April. We're going to dig into that. As always, a big thank you to everyone who has joined us by way of the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. We greatly appreciate you. Shouts to everybody who has joined us as well here on this podcast. If you are subscribed, thank you so much. If you are brand new, welcome aboard. It is great to have you with us us. All right, there's a lot to get into. First, I want to say thank you to those who joined us yesterday for our double episode where we started our conversation about the recap of WrestleMania Saturday and Sunday. We also talked about the massive breaking news of the sale of WWE to Endeavor. We're going to dig a little bit more into that today, so be on the lookout for that. Plus, today we'll be talking about Supercard of Honor NXT Stand and Deliver, as well as, yeah, Raw After Mania, which I normally wouldn't talk about it this soon, and if you don't want spoilers, obviously press pause, but yeah, a lot happened yesterday, and we'll dig into it, but first, I want to start here. I want to give you some additional information about the sale of WWE to Endeavor and what this really means. So I saw a lot of people calling this a merger. And this is the beauty of having this podcast is we get to really discuss these kinds of things. And I hope for those of you who've been rocking with us for a while, you kind of know how we get down and we don't really speak in innuendo and rumors unless we state that up front. We really try to deal specifically in facts and figures and in accurate information. And so with that said, I want to remind everybody and inform those who may not be aware that the situation involving WWE is not, I repeat, is not a merger with the UFC. Let me explain the difference between a merger and an acquisition. A merger means that two companies are coming together to form one company and will now do the exact same thing. Their organizations will combine and they will operate as one organization. Where this is tricky for some is that the UFC and the WWE will indeed form an organization, but that organization is the parent organization that will basically supervise both the WWE and the UFC. So the WWE and UFC really are going to be like sibling organizations now. So think of it as this. If you have a child and then another child is born, you have two children. Or better yet, let's talk about this. If you have a child and then you adopt a child, those two children aren't merged into one child. They are two children with the same parent. That is what the UFC and WWE will now be under this new company, which has yet to be named. 
Inside of this new company, Ariel Emanuel, who is the CEO of Endeavor, will serve to be the CEO of this new unnamed company. Vince McMahon will now step in as the executive chairman of this new company. And then the president of the UFC remains Dana White. The president of WWE remains Nick Khan. So that is a clear sign that this is not a merger. If this were a merger, you would only need one president, not two. But because this is not a merger, both brands will remain what they are. I got some questions yesterday about the WWE's name changing. The WWE's name will not change, nor will UFC's name change. Remember, for the last six years, UFC has been owned by Endeavor, but they were not called Endeavor. They were called UFC. So the WWE as a brand will not change its name. So there's nothing to worry about relative to that. Now, one of the biggest questions coming out of all of this surrounds creative. What will happen with creative? So I'm going to use this opportunity to do multiple things at once. For one, we're going to talk a bit about what happened on Monday Night Raw last night because there was high expectation for the Raw after WrestleMania. Let's face it. Historically, this has been called the most unpredictable night of the year, filled with surprises, filled with all sorts of things. And so for a lot of us as fans, given the incredible night the incredible night two of WrestleMania, we certainly had hopes and expectations for what would happen in this space. Who would come back? Would we have call-ups from NXT? Like, what would go down? I think the show started off pretty strong. Oh, one other thing I should mention is that Triple H announced on the socials that the first hour would be commercial free, which is equally exciting when you start thinking about what the Raw After Mania is supposed to be. And I think Raw After Mania started off with a bang. It started with Triple H basically talking to everyone and letting everybody know, first of all, thank you for your support of WrestleMania. All of those things are a big deal for sure. He thanked the fans. He did all of that. And then, of course, he told everybody that the same WWE that you know and love will remain. And that was really designed to remind people that, hey, yes, there was a sale, but we are still who we are. So, again, you're not going to see a merger of the WWE and UFC, and those terms matter. We're going to see WWE continue to be WWE. UFC will continue to be UFC. Now, because they both have the same parent, they will have the opportunity to pull from some of the same resources, which I think will be a win for WWE. And there are still some other questions, but by and large, who the WWE is will remain. Triple H worked very, very hard to remind people of that. Then came the first segment with Roman Reigns joined by Solo Sokoa. We all kind of wondered what would happen now that Roman has retained the title. Cody Rhodes comes out. Many wondered what Cody would say or do. Cody wanted a rematch tonight or of course being last night and that didn't happen he then suggested a tag team match that tag team match had an interesting stipulation thanks to Paul Heyman that number one whoever joined Cody Rhodes had to have wrestled in Wrestlemania so that automatically 
took away the idea that someone new could show up for this. But then the second part was whoever that person was, if they came through, they would not get a shot at the Universal Championship as long as Roman Reigns was champion. So that made things very interesting. And my brain started going, who in the world would possibly come out for this? And then the music hits and it's Brock Lesnar. And the place went up. And rightfully so. We've not seen Brock Lesnar in a match on Monday Night Raw in an extremely long time. And I believe they said it was like 2004 or 2006 since we've seen Brock Lesnar in a tag team match. So this had history written all over it. It felt very big as we were getting Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. It felt very good. It felt like, yeah, this is the Raw after Mania and we are off to a great start. Then everything after that felt lackluster. It did not give the kind of excitement that we are accustomed to. In fact, it didn't even feel like the Raws leading up to Mania. It just felt weird. It felt off. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. And we really did not get any major moments until, of course, you have Rey Mysterio talking to Bad Bunny, which turns into a match with Rey Mysterio and Austin Theory. Interference from the Judgment Day costs Rey Mysterio the match. Austin Theory gets a win. Then Dominic Mysterio takes a look at Bad Bunny. They get into it. It, it results in an altercation and then a pretty gnarly choke slam for Bad Bunny by Damian Priest through a table. That was pretty big. That was a moment that felt like Raw after Mania. And given Bad Bunny, it's just like, wow. Plus, Bad Bunny, of course, scheduled to host Backlash in Puerto Rico in May. All of these things make sense. But from there until basically the end of the show, we didn't get much of what we expected. There was only one return, and that return was Matt Riddle which was a pleasant surprise, but I think a lot of us were wondering, you know, would we see anyone from NXT? Would we see anybody who was on the independent circuit that had been signed? You know, this is usually that night that we see folks show up, and given all of the talk potentially about Jay White and some other folks that are out there, we thought maybe this might be that opportunity. Other returns, you know, we didn't see or hear from Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and some of those are obviously injured and we didn't know when they'd come back. So yeah, it felt kind of lackluster. Then, and now we're going to start getting into rumors. I am just prefacing that. We're getting into fact and rumor all in one space. So here it is. Fact. We saw Damage Control fight for the number one contender spot to take on the women's tag team champions. Damage control, which usually is always flanked by Bailey, was not. Not only was Bailey not there, but there was no mention of Bailey. Since damage control began, there's never been a moment where we've not dialogued about Bailey. So now people are wondering where is Bailey? Couple that with Damage Control losing the match and not becoming the number one contenders for the tag team championships. And things get even more interesting. So all the talk right now, as we speak on Twitter, 
is about Bailey. And a lot of it has to do with a number of tweets that Bailey shared on the days leading up to WrestleMania. And really, if you follow her on Instagram, she talked quite a bit about a love story and the most romantic love stories, talking about WrestleMania being a love story. And all of that felt really good until her last tweet. And her last tweet dropped a day ago, and it's got a lot of people talking. And here's what it says. It says, and sometimes the most romantic love story comes to an end by. Yeah, the tweet has seen a lot of action, a lot of activity. And people are wondering, what does this mean? Couple that with her not being on Raw and everybody's wondering what is going on with Bailey. Now, there are multiple rumors, and this is where we get into the rumor part. There are multiple rumors that Bailey was written out of the show. There are rumors that Bailey has asked for her release. I can't speak to any of those because I don't know. I don't have anything factual that speaks to either of those scenarios. But her silence and her absence is cause for great concern and question. So then this leads to other stories that are out there talking about why last night was the way that it was and many are attributing it to Vince McMahon potentially returning to the creative seat and some said that the show was rewritten multiple times. Now while I cannot confirm or deny that, I can say a few things. I can say that this Monday Night Raw felt completely different than the Raws that we've seen over the last six months. I can say that this Raw didn't hit the way that all of the other Raws have hit and certainly did not live up to the expectation of the Raw after WrestleMania. But maybe we'll get some more insight based on an interview that was released yesterday, a rare interview with Vince McMahon as he and Ariel Emanuel sat down with Scott Wapner from CNBC for an exclusive interview to talk about the sale of WWE to Endeavor. And in so doing, the question was asked to Vince McMahon about whether or not he would return to the space of creative and what his legacy will be. I want you to take a listen to the answers to this. We'll come back and discuss. On the creative side, Vince, do you plan to be as involved as you have in the past on the creative side? Um, yes and no. Uh, on a higher level, yes. Uh, and the weeds, which you always love to get in the weeds in the past. No, can't do that. What happens if Vince says, you know what, Mr. McMahon, the character, <laughs> Mr. decides he wants to get back into the ring? You let him? His choice. Purely his choice. Purely. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Famous, okay. last All right. okay. All right. Famous last words. Famous last words. 77. <laughs> I know we're, we're coming you know, towards the end of, of our time, but before I let you go, I want to ask you specifically about how I want to ask you about how you think about your legacy, given where you took this company, mm -hmm. what's happened in the last year, okay. the regrets you may have as a result of all that, and how you think your legacy will and your story will be told. Well, let me just say that I've made mistakes, obviously, you know, both personally and professionally through my 50-year career. I've owned up to every single one of them and then moved on. 
I'm not sure, you know, the legacy stuff, I'm not going to write it. So I don't know. Um, I want to say it's someone who had an extraordinary amount of fun, great passion for what they did, and wound up doing the biggest deal he's ever done in his life. You say you're not going to write your legacy, but you did make that deal that you get a multi-million dollar payout if the company gets sold and you control your IP. So in a sense, you are going to write your legacy. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I just did. <laughs> you wrote it for me. What about that deal? People thought that was rather peculiar. Which deal? About the getting the payout if the company gets sold and then also uh, owning the rights to your intellectual property so that you can tell your story if you want to. Um, it is what it is. But let me just say my opinion, because we talked about this. I think that's fair. It is his legacy. He's the one we're coming together. He's the one that should control his legacy. It shouldn't be controlled by somebody else. And that's actually fair. A legacy, he's built 50 years. It shouldn't be held by anybody else. It should be held by him. That's the right thing to do. This is a total package, Lex Luger, and you are turned into the faction. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. Hey, is taking How about that? Oh. The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. A few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win and there's a you, there will always be a S-H-W. This is the Stroke Daddy Ricky Starks, and you know I only do it one way, and that's big. You're not listening to The Faction. All right, family, so you've heard what Vince McMahon has had to say about creative, the fact that he will 
to some degree be involved in creative, in his words, on a higher level, but getting into the weeds, he will not be. That could be interpreted many ways, all right? One of the ways that that could be interpreted is he's only going to be making the high-level decisions. It could be that. It could be that everything ultimately has to get approved through him. What does he mean then by getting in the weeds? Maybe he's not going to get into what everybody says in terms of word for word for promos. Maybe he won't have to get in and green light every single move and idea. But does this really mean that Vince McMahon is back in creative? Or does it mean that Vince McMahon is kind of the guy that Triple H ends up having to answer to? Now, prior to this sale, Vince McMahon was only the executive chairman of the board of WWE, but the president and CEO was Nick Khan. We now know president is still Nick Khan, but who is the CEO? That's a real question. As of right now, the CEO of WWE is still Nick Khan. So I think we have to be very, very clear about that. And we have to understand a few things. We want to be careful about conjecture and the like. Vince McMahon will be the executive chairman of the new company that will parent the UFC and WWE, which for Vince McMahon, as strange as this may sound, is actually a promotion. Because once this new company comes into play, Vince McMahon will actually be the executive chairman over WWE and the UFC, which if you think about how crazy this sounds, could we make the argument or assumption that Vince would be the boss of Dana White? Ah, it might be going a little far. With all of that said, I don't know if Vince being the executive chairman of this new company takes effect right now in terms of how WWE will be impacted, but with Vince McMahon, by his own words, saying that to some degree he will have a say in creative, yes and no was his answer specifically. Things could get very, very interesting over the next few months. I don't know. It's hard to put into words what actually happened last night in terms of an explanation. So instead of fully going down the rabbit hole, as some can do, I'm going to wait and give it some time. We'll see how SmackDown is impacted. We'll see how Raw next week is impacted. And then maybe we'll have a little bit more information in terms of what to do and how to assess what's happening with the WWE's creative process. All right, a few other pieces we need to get to. For one, sad news to report relative to a passing that happened yesterday. As if yesterday wasn't full enough with the news of the sale of WWE, we get the very, very sad news of the passing of Bushwhacker Butch. So Butch passed away after a very brief illness, according to his longtime tag team partner, Luke, and it was announced yesterday. So kind of the situation that led to this, he was hospitalized in ICU on Friday after arriving in LA for WrestleMania, and that was believed to be a result of a situation with medication. He flew in from New Zealand on Wednesday and was all good. 
Friday morning, he was incognito, and that is a quote from Luke. Now, Butch began wrestling all the way back in 1964. Of course, he would team up with Luke before they got to the WWE as the fun-loving Bushwhackers. They were the menacing sheep herders in the NWA and all over the wrestling world. An evil team that drew lots of blood, lots of heat, and lots of money. Well, of course, they came over to the WWE, became the fun-loving Bushwhackers, and all seemed right in the world. It was a complete shift from who they had been prior to their time in WWE. They were inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2015, and just a sad, sad space for Bushwhacker Butch, who passed away yesterday at age 70. All right, we did promise that we were going to take a look at some of the other events that happened during WrestleMania weekend, and we're going to do that. So let's go to Friday night, as Friday night kicked off with the Ring of Honor Super Card of Honor. This event took place in Los Angeles, California, on the campus of USC, and it started off with the Zero Hour, the Zero Hour pre-show featured four matches that saw Jeff Cobb defeat Tracy Williams, Kanosuke Takeshita defeated Willie Mack, Willow Nightingale defeated Miranda Alizé, and Stu Grayson defeated Slim Jay. Now then, to the results of Supercard of Honor. El Hijo del Vikingo defeated Commander to retain the AAA Mega Championship. The Embassy retained the Ring of Honor Six-Man Tag Team Championships, defeating A.R. Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik. Athena defeated Yuka Sakazaki to retain the ROH Women's World Championship. Samoa Joe defeated Mark Briscoe to retain the Ring of Honor World TV Championship. The Ace of New Japan, Hiroshi Tanahashi, defeated Daniel Garcia. In the Reach for the Sky ladder match, the Lucha Brothers came out on top, defeating Top Flight, The Kingdom, Aussie Open, and LFI to become the new Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Katsuyora Shibata defeats Wheeler Yuta to become the new Ring of Honor Pure Champion. And Claudio Castagnoli defeated Eddie Kingston to retain the Ring of Honor World Championship. All right, so one of the biggest pieces of news coming out of this, and there was a lot of news, but one of the big pieces of news was surrounding the Ring of Honor World Tag Team title matchup. During that match, there was an insane, and there were a lot of insane spots during Ring of Honor, but there was an incredible spot that saw Penta El Cerro Miero hit Dante Martin with a destroyer from a ladder to the outside of the ring through two tables. In this moment, it caused a severe injury for Dante Martin. Dante Martin suffered what many thought was a broken leg during this. His ankle and lower leg certainly seemingly snapped, and it was a pretty gruesome injury for sure. So Dante Martin was taken to the hospital as a result of this really tragic injury, and he is now out of the hospital, thankfully, 
While there has not been an official announcement in terms of what the actual injury is, if you got to see the video of it, you could tell something very serious has happened. So we certainly wish a speedy recovery to Dante Martin. You know, it's kind of unfortunate to see what's happened to Top Flight. First, of course, Dante's brother Darius had been injured in a few spaces. At one point, he was injured from a car accident. Then he had another injury. So Dante ended up holding things down on the singles front, they finally were able to get healthy and be together as a tag team and get shots at both the AEW World Tag Titles, which just happened a couple of weeks ago, and then, of course, Supercard of Honor, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. But this injury is unfortunate, so we we'll certainly, again, wish a speedy recovery to Dante Martin. Now then, to some of the other action that happened here. First of all, let's talk about the return of Nigel McGuinness to Ring of Honor. Many may be familiar with Nigel McGuinness because of his time in NXT and NXT UK offering expert commentary. And when NXT UK dissolved, so did the contract of Nigel McGuinness. We had not heard from him in quite some time, but he showed up at Ring of Honor to do commentary the entire night. And it was really exciting to see him on commentary once again. What will he do fully in Ring of Honor? Time is yet to determine that, but it's good to have him and his expertise back in the booth with Ring of Honor. El Hijo del Vikingo versus Commander. Oh, Lord. This match was just one of those things that you just kept watching and kept watching and kept watching. And as you watch it, you just sit back and go, this is amazing. This is absolutely incredible. Those two guys are special and they gave us everything in that matchup. Phenomenal. Can we also acknowledge the rise of Athena? Athena is doing incredible work in Ring of Honor. And again, this is what we hoped for with her entering WWE as Ember Moon. But it's happening right now in Ring of Honor. This is better than her AEW run. This is the run we've always believed she could have. Fighting top tier competition, showing us the best of who she is. And her finisher was the most creative version of it I have seen in a long, long time. You got to go back and check it out. One of the shockers of the night to me was Samoa Joe retaining the Ring of Honor World Television Championship against Mark Briscoe. I think I had felt as though... Mark Briscoe had all of this momentum and there was just no way that given what happened to his brother that Ring of Honor would at some point allow him to not still hold championship gold. But they did what was best for business and I can't necessarily argue with it. Samoa Joe is tough and once again Mark Briscoe could not get the win over Samoa Joe. Great to see Hiroshi Tanahashi in a Ring of Honor ring. Anytime you get to see this legend, it is well, well worth it. Of course, he was part of the joint show between Impact and New Japan, the Multiverse United show the night before. So that was amazing. Shout out to the Lucha Brothers who win the Ring of Honor World Tag Titles. That ladder match was absolutely insane. Again, our thoughts and prayers are with Darius Martin. Katsuyura Shibata becoming the Ring of Honor Pure Champion makes me feel so, so good. Given his story, how he didn't just almost lose his wrestling career, he nearly lost his life. 
to be able to get back in a ring and now become champion. Oh, it's amazing. I'm intrigued to see what will happen going forward with Ring of Honor and Katsuyora Shibata. Castagnoli versus Kingston as the Ring of Honor World Championship. Solid match for sure. Wasn't my favorite match of the night, but I think Castagnoli is finally starting to get to run with being a world champion. And I think he deserves this opportunity. And so congratulations to him. Top to bottom, a phenomenal card. One of the best I've seen from Ring of Honor ever. And Ring of Honor is on a roll. And speaking of on a roll, it's NXT's Stand and Deliver, which kicked off WrestleMania Saturday. And this was crazy. There was actually a pre-show match. And it saw Chase U and Tyler Bate defeat Schism. I'll talk about that in a few minutes because there's an underlying thing happening there that caught me off guard that I'll talk about in a little bit. Alba Fire and Isla Dawn become the new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions by defeating Fallon Henley and Kiana James. The Gallus Boys retain the NXT Tag Team Championships, defeating the Creed Brothers and the Family. In an unsanctioned match, Johnny Gargano defeats Grayson Waller. Wes Lee retains the NXT North American Championship by defeating Dragon Lee, JD McDonough, Ilya Dragunov, and Axiom in another insane matchup. Indy Hart Hartwell becomes the one as she has followed the way to the NXT Women's Championship by defeating Roxanne Perez, Gigi Dolan, Tiffany Stratton, Lyra Valkyria, and Zoe Stark in the Women's Championship ladder match. And in the main event, Carmelo Hayes becomes him as he defeats Braun Breaker to become the new NXT champion. Now then, let's talk about some of the takeaways here from Stand and Deliver. Firstly, the pre-show match, which I was surprised it was on the pre-show, but if there was a match to be on the pre-show, it was this one. It saw the in-ring debut of Ava, the daughter of The Rock, and wasn't bad. Wasn't bad at all. I think Ava is still doing some work, so we're going to watch her progress, hopefully. But what is interesting is what's happening with Schism. Now, I thought Schism was going to win this match, but Schism did not win the match. Chase U and Tyler Bate won the match. And then we also get word that the artists formerly known as the Grizzled Young Veterans, who are the tag team, the dyad in the Schism, have requested their release. Now, there's still question as to whether or not they will receive their release. Currently, they are still listed on the WWE's website as active superstars. So I don't know if those releases will be granted or not, but it is interesting. Certainly, we had not heard many people requesting their releases from WWE. Now, things get very interesting with the talk of perhaps Vince McMahon being back in charge etc etc I don't know things get interesting but with that said that kind of adds some color to the results of this eight person tag team match so some of the results that did not surprise me Alba Fire and Isla Dawn becoming the women's tag team champions does not surprise me at all right now they are the closest thing to a real tag team that we have in NXT other than Katana Chance and Caden Carter so 
Congratulations to Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. I'll be interested to see what tag teams come together to try to take them on. And what happens now with the story between Fallon Henley and Kiana James? Is there going to be a breakup? What's going to happen? We'll check that out. The hard-hitting match for the NXT Tag Team Championships. I'm not surprised to see Gallus retain. However, I am surprised to see the third member of Gallus return. And that was pretty exciting to see. So Gallus back at full strength really really good stuff there that nxt north american championship fatal five way was insane as we knew it would be featuring dragon lee's in-ring debut in nxt the match had everything you could imagine five strong competitors i mean move sets chemistry psychology it was everything we love hard hitting it was nxt it's the nxt that we know and love and wesley retaining that championship just makes all sorts of sense then we have to talk about the unsanctioned match johnny gargano grayson waller in my opinion if there's anybody currently on the nxt roster who is ready to be on Raw or SmackDown, it's Grayson Waller. And this match certainly proved it. A big win for Johnny Gargano. Big question now, does this mean that Johnny Gargano is officially done with NXT and can spend time on Raw or SmackDown, or will he be making NXT his home once again? There's certainly reason to think that he could stay there as Indy Hartwell is now the NXT Women's Champion. And this is just a move that made me happy. You want to talk about somebody who has worked really hard and who has become a veteran in the space of the women's division of NXT. Indy Hartwell has endured a lot. And seeing her now become the women's champion, it just makes all sorts of sense. Seeing Dexter Loomis show up for her was another great move. And you talk about great storytelling. It was indeed that. So great times. And I love to see what's going to happen here with the women's division. Seeing that we saw no immediate call-ups for Monday Night Raw, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's out of the question, as this week on SmackDown is still a possibility. Next week on Raw is equally a possibility. Part of me feels like I wonder if WWE needs to let the dust settle from this sale news before they start making call-ups. Don't know. Makes sense to me. But with that said, on that call-up list, could we see Zoe Stark and Roxanne Perez? Or will Roxanne Perez stay in NXT and look for an opportunity to regain her women's championship? From there, let's talk about the main event. Carmelo Hayes, Braun Breaker, the youngest main event in WrestleMania weekend history. This thing lived up to the billing as we knew it would. It seemed inevitable that Carmelo Hayes had to win this match. And he certainly did. And I'm happy about everything connected to this from the entrances to the exits. It was fantastic. I'm really looking forward to the new season, dare I say, of NXT under the reign of Carmelo Hayes. This should be some great, great stuff. Lots of changes, of course. A new women's champion, a new men's champion, new women's tag team champion. So some definite changes happening in the world of NXT. And so we'll learn more tonight in terms of what the future holds for Braun Breaker, for Roxanne Perez, as well as for the new champions, Carmelo Hayes, Indy Hartwell, Alba Fire, and Isla Dawn. All right, I want to get your thoughts on NXT Stand and Deliver and the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor. Hit us up on the socials at 
the faction show and let us know. All right, guys, until next time, stay connected to us here because we'll continue to bring you all sorts of late breaking news on our social media channels. And if we need to fire up the good old podcast machine to talk about some late breaking news, you know, we've got you covered. Until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I'm my pain.